0: Right, today we're continuing our series, Well with God. Well with God. We've covered a few areas so far. One of the areas we covered the first week was spirit, your spiritual life. And the one decision, we're, we're talking about one decision each week that you can make that will really make a difference and impact your life and bring some change in your life. Things that are scriptural, that God taught us. Uh, In the spiritual one, we talked about how important it is to take God at His Word. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity out there. There's a lot of things going on in this world that you could take as signals from God that, that really aren't signals from God sometimes. And you need to be careful with that. But here's what you can do. You can go to His Word. You can begin to, to read His Word and understand His Word. You can show up to church. You can show up to our small groups. You can be a part of things that teach you God's Word here, right here at this church. That you can stand and take Him at His Word even when life doesn't make sense. So that was one of the the most important ones right there. Uh, The next one we talked about, mental, your mental health. We talked about being intentional with your life, being intentional with where your time, your money, your energy, your resources, be intentional with, with where those things go, and it will help you to be more mentally healthy, all right? Last week we talked about your social life. Building a life support for yourself a system around you of friends, family, people that you consider family that aren't even blood relatives, people that will have your back. You need a life support system. You need people in your life that will have your back even when you're not around. You need people that will support you when life happens. We talked about how much uh, Chad last week is, was just astounded at how God used us and used the people at his workplace that are Christians and believers to support him during this time of great difficulty in his life. It's beautiful. So you need a support system. You need life support at times. And you've got to remember that while you're serving us and while you're doing things, what you're actually doing is building your own life support. It's a beautiful concept, Right? So today we're going to be talking about your physical life, your physical body predominantly. But the topic that we're going to use for this today can actually get into every area of your life. So we're going to touch on a lot of things. But the topic is this, choosing contentment. Contentment. Contentment is one of the most great qualities that you can begin to acquire in your life and begin to practice in your thought life and in your mind. And here's what this quality produces. It produces balance in your life. Without contentment, your life will be unbalanced. Without contentment, there's no end of craving, especially. We're always wanting, always wanting more, always wanting something. I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but your physical body is always craving something. It's craving food, it's craving chocolate, it's craving a new car, it's craving all kinds of stuff, and you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Right now, you're sitting there going, oh, I can't wait for lunch, <laughs> I can't wait until this happens, I can't wait till I get that, and we crave, crave, crave. Listen, we've got to come to a place in our lives where we say, okay, if I eat just enough, I'll be well. I'll be well with God. If you choose to exercise just enough. Listen, we don't have to all look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's not the goal. The goal is just enough so that you can be healthy and strong. And this body is basically God's mobile for you to move your spirit around where He wants you to be in this world, where He wants you to be this morning, where He wants you to be tomorrow. This body is nothing more than just a a spirit mobile moving you where God wants you to be. As you've accepted Christ into your life, you've just got to keep this body to a place where you can get your soul where He wants you to be so you can do what He's called you to do in your life, your ministry throughout the week. If you choose to have some pleasure, just enough. You just need enough to enjoy but to have balance in your life. You see, too much of anything will throw you out of balance and contentment will guard your life. When you decide what's enough is good enough, and when you decide that what God says is enough is good enough, especially what God says is good enough, what God says is enough, then you bring balance into every area of your life. And here's something interesting as well. Everything that you can have or do have, God made it. Everything. Everything from chocolate to physical intimacy, God made it all for you. Isn't that wonderful? He made things for you to be able to have pleasure in this world. The key is that you choose contentment and only use those things in a way that God says is proper, proper limits for all of those things. Too much, not too little. Don't go, for, don't go for too much. Don't go for too little. And, and those things that offend God, we got to do our best to know what those things are and to not cross that line to where we do offend, offend Him. Just enough, just right, keep those things in balance in our lives. The key to balance in your life is to choose contentment. That's balance. And this quality of contentment Staying within those boundaries of good, not crossing over into indulgence, will not only make you well with God physically, but it's going to help you in every area of your life. Contentment means you have accepted God and His ways as being enough. God, what you say is good, I agree with. God, what you say is enough, I agree with. You see, God set limits on everything, God set limits on the ocean. As amazing and powerful as the ocean is, it still has boundaries. It doesn't have the right to come over those boundaries. Why? Because God set those boundaries. God set limits on ants. Aren't we grateful for that? He set limits on how much reproduction could happen with flies. We're all grateful for that. He set limits on all the insects. There are maids, they clean up the earth. If we leave a mess, and I'm not promoting that, but if we leave a mess, guess what? The earth is going to fix it, it's going to clean it up eventually. And thankfully, there's a limit on those numbers. God set limits on how much sun heat we get on this planet, He set limits to that. There's limits set on everything that God created. Why? For good. And anything that goes outside of those limits is going to be bad for us. If there's too much sun, we're going to burn up. If, it's, if there's not enough, we're going to freeze. And there's just, we get just enough. That's what God gives us every day throughout the day. God set limits on everything. So I've asked Sam to come up this morning. He's going to share a little bit with us. And uh, Sam, you mic'd up. Yeah, come on yeah, up, brother. Yeah,
1: I'm mic'd up, right? All right, give give Sam a hand. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Anyway, my name's Sam Garcia. Uh, as you can tell, if you've been, I've been coming here. And I used to be really wide. <laughs> right? Because I would eat and eat. And eat and just wouldn't care. Uh, growing up, not much. So, when I was, uh, as, anyway, so I was eating too much, in other words. You know, I, I wanted, it was like a gluttony thing that was going on. And the funny part about that is that something inside me was telling me this that, hey, you need to slow down, slow down. But I just wouldn't, right? So anyway, I'm in an appointment to go see the doctor because my eyesight was getting bad. Uh, I had a pain on my knee. I used to play football back in the day. And uh, it was a hit, it was a slight tear in the meniscus. So they gave me to take some medicine so it can help out. I, I, anyway, I didn't want the surgery. So uh, I went to go see the doctor, he tells me your cholesterol level is off the charts. You're close to being a diabetic. And uh, your high blood pressure is really bad. So um, that right there it's really scared me. It like put just a break on me. And I'm like, okay, so he's like, I can give you some pills, da 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 da. And I'm like, I don't want anything to be passed. I want to be healed. So he told me straight up, he's all you got to lose weight. You're fat. So you just lose weight and you should go back to normal. Now. Okay. But how I live today compared to how I used to live back in the day, it's something I don't want to give up. You know, I got a beautiful home. I got a beautiful wife. I got beautiful kids. Most important thing, I got God in my life today. Yeah. You know, that's the most important. He comes first. It's like I told my wife. He comes first after that it's you, then the kids, (laughs) but anyway, uh, so I just started, uh, I prayed to God first and then so what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna cut everything in half, you know, and uh, I just started just smaller portions. uh, I went different breakfasts and, you know, and everything started changing. I feel better. My pain went away. My vision came back. I can breathe better. My high blood pressure is down. It's normal. I mean, it's it's just amazing, right? I, uh, anyway, uh, you know, just like John was saying, I guess uh, in this, uh, our body is just our body, right? I guess our spirit is is, is different. You know, to me, uh, I feel great, and uh, just want to thank God for it. You know? Thanks. Thanks, Sam. Love you, buddy. What?
0: That wasn't feedback. That was actually Sam saying he loved me. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Beautiful story, huh? Isn't that awesome? You know, and it seems overwhelming it you know, when we're overweight and we've got problems with our health and stuff, it just seems overwhelming, but sometimes it's You're just that close to making a tweak that will absolutely change your life and change your health. You know, when God was delivering the Israelites out of Egypt, how he did it. Remember, I was saying he put all of these limits on everything. This is how he did it. He broke the limits on those things in order to to deal with Egypt He gave them too many frogs. Remember the plague of the frogs? He gave them too many flies. He gave them too many locusts. He gave them too much darkness. Too much of all these good things was horrible, and it was called a plague. Too much of anything in this world is going to be bad for you. Contentment is saying, God, your limits are enough for me. What you like and how much you like, I'm good with. And that settles it. God gave you chocolate. Aren't you grateful? (laughs) Be content with what he gave you. How he made you. What you look like. Be content with it. You know, and I'm not saying that you can't put some makeup on. But I am saying that you can overindulge in makeup and look like a televangelist. <laughs> or you could even overindulge in Botox and look like a televangelist. <laughs> now that I think about it, they're doing... And it doesn't mean that you can't color your hair. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, dress yourself up and all of that. It, it just means there's a, there's a limit where you overindulge, Right? And here's the thing, when you live your life and say, it's just enough, you'll be well. You'll be well with God. Keep balance in your life and your physical body will be well with God. This is exactly what happened back in the Garden of Eden. You guys know the story of the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were there, God had given them everything. Now think about it. God had given them everything. They didn't have need for anything. They had the very best of everything. The fruit was the very best of fruit that could be... Food. They had. They didn't even need clothes. They didn't even need shelter because the the, the 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 canopy, the ecosystem, everything was just absolutely perfectly watered every morning. Everything was perfect. There weren't storms. There weren't all of these difficult things. There weren't earthquakes. There weren't oil spills. There wasn't death. There was no crying. There were no Mondays. There were no accidents with people laying on 380. There were no policemen. There were no bills. There were no creditors. It was just absolutely perfect. There were no Wall Streets. <laughs> there, was no th- there were no thieves. There were no bullies. There were no drugs. There were no alcohol. There was nothing that was going to harm. Everything was absolutely perfect in the Garden of Eden except that tree over there. I can't eat of it. And it was discontentment. And what did, what did the, the evil one come to even say? Did God say, you see, God is holding out on you, Eve. If he loved you, he would give you everything. And there's that one tree over there. What did he do? He planted a seed of discontentment in her heart. And it took root, didn't it? And Eve became discontent to the point that she gave up everything she had. All the good that she had so that she could have the fruit of that one tree. Interesting, isn't it? You see, all throughout the Bible, story after story, if you'll read it from this perspective, we find that it was discontentment that displeased God so much all throughout the Bible. People thinking about, people sitting down and thinking about what they don't have. This is what I wish God would do. This is what I want God to to do for me. This is how I want God to help me to live out the rest of my life. This is what I want to accomplish. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to eat. This is what I want for my life. I want a better husband. I want a better wife. I want better children. All of the stuff that we just sit around and think about, and God doesn't like it. Let me just be honest with you. He doesn't like it. In fact, it's something that God absolutely hates. Why? Because it brings unnecessary pain into your life. And it divides you. It keeps you by yourself. It keeps you separate from others because people suddenly aren't good enough in your life. Your family isn't good enough. Your church isn't good enough. As a father, I remember at the end of birthday parties you know for our kids growing up and it was just naturals you know sometimes you nailed it and sometimes you didn't but every night you know after a birthday party for one of our kids Angela would be like as we laid down in bed she'd be like man did we did we do good you know did they did they like it did they enjoy it and and sometimes we did do well and sometimes we didn't but really what it came down to was the attitude of the child and because sometimes we didn't think we got them what they wanted, you know, and because we couldn't afford it but but sometimes we did, and this and it wasn't good enough, so it really came down to the attitude of the kid being able to stop and go, man, my parents and and all of this family are here to celebrate me and my life today, and they enjoyed their life on those days, they enjoyed their birthday, but then other times, you know it didn't matter what we gave them, oh, I really wanted this too or You know what I'm saying? And and as a parent, you look at your child and you're like, man, if you would just be content, look at all that we've given you. You have running water. You have hot water when you want it. You have food. You have clothes. You have anything that you want. This is Garden of Eden if you'll just open your eyes and look. You know, and for kids, they don't have all the responsibility providing that stuff. Well, the Israelites, they also... Are a good example of this for us. They decided that God as their king wasn't enough. You know, they had God as their king. Now think about that. He was their king, he was their president he was the the leader of this nation when they would go to battle and line up for battle you can imagine the other the other kingdom would line up for battle and, and there they are you know you can see it like Braveheart right they're all over there and there's the king right in the middle and all of his officials around him and he looks all wonderful in his glorious robe and all of that and the Israelites come up and they're like, okay we're ready to fight they don't have a king There's nobody to glorify in the middle. Nobody to intimidate. Why? Because God is the king. And look at what 1 Samuel chapter 8 records. Now we want a king to be our leader. Just like all the other nations. Choose one for us. Samuel was upset to hear the leaders say that they wanted a king, so he prayed about it. And the Lord answered, Samuel, do everything they want you to do. I'm really the one they have rejected as their king. I am the one they've rejected as their king. Listen how personal God takes this. Ever since the day I rescued my people from Egypt, they have turned turned from me to worship idols. Now they're turning away from you. Do everything they ask, but warn them and tell them how a king will treat them. So real quickly, number one, contentment is a who's my leader issue. Look what he says. Now, we want a king to be our leader just like all the other nations. We want a king to be our leader like all the other nations. God, we want somebody that we can look to, somebody that we can raise up and glorify and make them look great, and somebody that will intimidate other people. We want a king instead of you. It's a who's my leader issue. Every time you're discontent with what your leader has given you, God, you're saying, I want another leader. Think about that. What God has given me isn't good enough. I want another king for my life. God, my church isn't enough. I know none of you think that, but one day you might, so I'm just covering it today, all right? Why did you send me to this church? God, my husband or wife not enough. I know one of you thinks that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all with me still? God, my children aren't enough. My paycheck isn't enough. What I, what I get every week, it's not enough. God, my face isn't pretty enough. All the things that we can be discontent about in our life, we're saying, God, you didn't give me enough. And as Darren said earlier, bloom where you're planted. Today, you can choose that what you get and what you eat and what you do, all of it can be enough. And you don't have to overindulge. You don't have to go beyond the boundaries that God has set for good things in your life. And what you're saying is, God, you're my leader. You're good enough. And what you say is good, I agree with. And what you say is enough, I agree with. God, I like like donuts. I love donuts. One's enough or a half of one. Whatever it is, you can say, God, you're enough. Secondly, contentment is a loyalty issue. Look at what God said. Ever since the day I rescued my people from Egypt, they've turned from me to worship idols. Hear how personal that sounds? Ever since the day I did this for them, they've been turning away from me to worship these false and useless idols. You see, loyalty is a quality of character. And honestly, it's one that our society has lost in so many ways. We don't allow space for each other to be perfect, imperfect in each other's lives anymore. There's no margin of error in our relationships. And in, in some ways, the moment that I mess up in your life, you're gone. And it just ought not be that way. And I I believe that I've trained myself to know that the moment you mess up in my life, I'm not gone. I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to be loyal to you. Loyalty is something that we've lost in our culture. Do, do, Do any of you remember the days when you used to be able to go to work and you felt loyalty towards your company? Some of you remember those days. Your company was a brand. And that's the only brand that you would buy. When you went to the store, if it was a car, you'd go and buy that certain car. You would buy your brand. You felt loyalty to that. But what did you feel also from the company? You felt like the company was loyal to you. You felt like they had your back. They were going to take care of you. When possible, they'd give you a raise. They'd take care of you and your family. Why? Because there was what we knew to be loyalty. The lack of loyalty that we have in our society has also affected marriage relationships. My husband's not good enough. My wife's not good enough. And we've lost that contentment to allow for there to be a margin of error in each other's lives. In our marriages, in our homes, in our churches, in our community, at our jobs, there's not a margin of error. We lack that loyalty in our lives. And contentment is a loyalty issue. And loyalty, honestly, is only possible when you have someone that's imperfect to be loyal to. You're not loyal to somebody that's perfect. So how do you be perfect or how do you be loyal to God who is perfect? I don't know about you, but he doesn't present me to be, he doesn't present himself to me to be perfect. I know he's perfect and I know his ways are right and I know he, everything he does is right. But as far as perfect and what we expect out of him, he's a mess because he doesn't do things my way. He doesn't fix things my way. He doesn't heal the things, the people my way. He doesn't do all things my way. Am I alone? Are you guys with me on this? God isn't perfect to me, but I know He is. And to make things worse, worse than anybody else, God, the problem with Him is He can do all things. He has the power to do all things. He can do anything, and yet he chooses not to. And it's a loyalty issue. I trust him, and although he may not be perfect in my eyes, and what he has done, I'm going I'm to be loyal to him, and I'm going to love him anyway. And I'm going to tell people about Jesus, and I'm going to keep telling you that he does He does do miracles because I know it. And He does have a relationship with you because I know it. And He can be trusted even when you don't see Him. And I can tell you that with full assurance because His ways are higher than your ways and my ways. So here's the thing. God rescued the Israelites miraculously. He split the Red Sea into two. People walked across on dry ground. He perfectly fed them. He gave amazing water to them. Do you remember the food that he gave to them? It was perfectly nutritious. These people didn't have cholesterol issues, they didn't have high blood pressure issues, they didn't have any problems. Why? They didn't have liver disease. They you name it, they didn't have it. Why? Because God perfectly fed them every day. And look what happened. And, you know, their shoes didn't even wear out for 40 years. And look at what God says. Ever since the day I rescued my people from Egypt, they've turned from me to worship idols. I'm not enough for them. I'm not enough. Contentment, it's a loyalty issue. One time the Lord said to the Israelites, the Israelites needed a miracle of water. And Elisha told them this. This is so cool. The Lord says that this dry riverbed will be filled with water. You won't feel any wind or see any rain, but there will be plenty of water for you and your animals. And you know, that's how God has probably worked in your life. You can look back in your life and you can remember times where suddenly what you needed was there. You were without, you know, the Israelites were without water. They needed water and then suddenly without wind or rain, suddenly it was there. And it's so easy to look over those things in our lives that God suddenly took care of for us. And you can look back on your life and you can remember where God has actually been. You can pinpoint in your life where God sent somebody to encourage you with the right word, where somebody prayed for you. You can remember when someone suddenly gave something to you that you absolutely needed and and you didn't even know that they knew about it. You can look back in your life in specific moments, specific times, it may not have been the Red Sea parting, but you can look back and you can see where God took care of you. And God says, I'll always take care of you if you'll trust me and believe me over and over in your life. Are you going to be loyal? Are you going to be content? Number three, real quickly, contentment is a what's my future issue. James David, would you come? Come. <clears throat> what's my future issue? Samuel, do everything they want you to do. You can imagine the rejection that God was feeling here. I am really the one that they have rejected as their king. Do everything they ask, but warn them and tell them how a king will treat them. And when you and I trade God for someone or something else to be our God, that's exactly what we're asking for. We're asking for another king. And look at what was said of how this king would treat them. These people. Samuel told the people that were asking for a king what the Lord had said. He said, This, if you have a king, this is how he's going to treat you. He will force your sons to join his army. Some of them will ride in his chariots, some will serve in the cavalry, and others will run ahead of his own chariot. Right? Some of them will run ahead of his chariot. Your sons will be running ahead of the king's chariot. You can hear the sarcasm there. Some of them will be officers in charge of a 1,000 soldiers and others will be in charge of 50. Still others will have to farm the king's land. Come on, we need our own sons to farm our land. But your sons are going to be given to farm the king's land and harvest his crops or make weapons and parts for his chariots. Your daughters will be taken. They will have to make perfume or do his cooking and baking. The king will take your best fields as well as your vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his own officials. He will also take a tenth of your grain and grapes and give it to his officials and officers, The king will take your slaves and your best young men and your donkeys and make them do his work. He will also take a tenth of your sheep and goats. You'll become the king's slaves and you'll finally cry out to the Lord to save you from the king you wanted, but the Lord won't answer your prayers. Why? Because he's not your king. people would not listen to Samuel. No! We want to be like other nations. We want a king to rule us and lead us into battle. Samuel listened to what they said and then told the Lord exactly what they had said. And what did he say? Do what they want. Give them what they want. Give them a king. And God was deposed from Israel. Has God been deposed in your life? Who's your king? Is what he says enough? Is what he's given you enough? Are you living your life within the boundaries of the boundaries that God has put in place? Is what he said enough? physical life will be better, your mental life, your spiritual life, every part of your life will be better when you just say, God, what you say is enough. Yeah, but John, you don't know my husband. I don't need to. Who's your king? That's who I need to know. And if he's your king, yeah, but John, you don't know my wife. She's got so many problems. She's got so many things. Stuff happened, and I I don't even who's your king? He gave you that person for a reason. Trust him. Believe in him. Yeah, but John, I've tried this and I've tried that. Listen, just in the last few months, physically, I did exactly what Sam was talking about. I started eating just half of my meals, you know? You know I started dating somebody. Whew, and I lost weight in the process of that. <laughs> couldn't go to her house, couldn't come to my house because we weren't meeting kids yet, you know and so I was eating out four times a week at least yeah, we date a lot so <laughs> we'd meet and go to an ice cream shop late at night but just, just a simple thing just eat half of it take the other half home, eat it later a simple thing, I lost like eight pounds isn't that great? I had already met her. It would have been easy to just go, okay, I already met her. I'm just going to be fat. (laughs) You can make some changes in your life. And contentment, though, is the heart behind it. Contentment is the heart behind it. When you let your heart change, your mind change, contentment, this is an bow your heads is what God says enough for you but John what if he doesn't change my health situation it's enough it's enough God you're my king what you do and don't do is enough for me I trust you I believe you. And as long as I'm with you, I know all is well. Come on, in these times, you're either going to cling closer to him or you're going to walk away from him. I suggest you cling closer to him. What if my husband never changes? What if my wife never changes? Is he enough? Is God enough? trust him. Your only job is to love, not be loved. Jesus never commissioned you to go out and be loved. He said, now I command you to go and love. Your job is to love in that marriage. John, this job is a dead end. I can't climb up the ladder, not getting paid enough. Is this where God has brought you to? If it is, maybe he's waiting you for you to do what He put you there for. Maybe there's that one person that you're supposed to witness to, that you're supposed to share Christ with. And then maybe He can move you on to the next mission field. you got to see your job no longer is your job to just provide. Your job is now your mission field. It's where God has put you. And where God has put you is enough for today. You begin to align your life with Him He will lead you and guide you, put you where he wants you. Father, we just thank you so much that we can trust you with every area of our lives. You truly know each and every area of our lives. And today we commit ourselves to you and to that purpose and that meaning. God, we choose to say we're content with you. We want you to be our king. You're our God. Father, I pray that you'd give wisdom and understanding to each and every one of these that are here today to apply this to their life in every way. I pray for your blessings and favor on them. In Jesus' name.